Welcome to the Zoo Town, affordable housing podcast. Affordable is stable, afford means that you're able to make your wages last through their rent and expenses while even retaining some senses. Stability with the ability to do things differently with dignity. Recorded just before the COVID lockdown, this 10th episode of Zap is an interview with Casey Valencia, Executive Director of MUD, the Missoula Urban Demonstration Project. We talk about utilizing the tool library and how this keeps home improvement more affordable by making it possible to check out and return tools when you need them, instead of buying new ones for every single project. We also talk about education opportunities at MUD, get caught up on the recent work they did on their container spaces, and learn about some future plans for the MUD site. And now, please enjoy my conversation with Casey Valencia, Executive Director of MUD, the Missoula Urban Demonstration Project. Casey Valencia, you are the executive director of MUD, the Missoula Urban Demonstration Project. And what is your background with MUD? You said that you've been on the board of directors. And would you like to tell us uh, anything about how you came to be in this position? Yeah, sure. So I was on the board for about mm, four years before I took this position. And so I had volunteered quite a bit. I was doing helping a lot with workshops and the education programs because that's kind of my background. And I just graduated from the University of Montana with my master's degree in environmental studies. And part of my project there was to do some education work with MUD. So I helped design some signs and work on some things for our website. And so I had just really been trying to get involved in different ways and helping out. So um, yeah, I just from there, when this position opened up, it seemed like a really good fit for where I was and for what MUD needed, so I was happy to jump on. And would you like to talk about the Missoula Urban Demonstration Project for those out there who don't know much about what it is? Yeah, so MUD's been around Missoula for a long time. We're almost 40 years old, and over that time it's evolved quite a bit. And kind of our current phase and our site over here next to Home Resource is, our main focus is a tool library. So people can sign up to become members. And then they have pretty much unlimited access to all of our tools in our inventory. We have over 2,500 tools, everything from screwdrivers and hammers to cider presses to sewing machines, and our largest tool being our truck. So people can come and borrow a truck if they need to move or haul some supplies and don't have access to one otherwise. So that's kind of the biggest program. And then in addition to that, we do a bunch of workshops every year. We do about 20. Um, different kind of hands-on skills. This year, for the first time in a while, we're doing a beekeeping series because we're going to have bees on our site starting in April. And so we're doing a whole series on that. And then we have some of our kind of annual workshops. We just did blacksmithing. We'll be doing tree pruning. We'll have some carpentry workshops later this spring. So a good variety. And then kind of our third focus area is our site. We try to demonstrate a bunch of sustainable living techniques, everything from rainwater catchment to solar panels to different ways of building your site up. So both for individuals and for other businesses to kind of see how they can incorporate sustainable practices for themselves. 
And before we get into some of the aspects of the MUD site, would you like to explain or tell people how that works with the tool library? Do people pay to to use the tools or? Yeah, so, so we have a membership fee and it's all based on a sliding scale. So it's based on income to keep it affordable for everybody. So you pay an annual fee and then most of the tools are free to check out unless they're things like lawnmowers or other tools that require a lot of maintenance or require gas. Then there's a small fee with those lawnmowers are $5. Um, the cider press is 10 or 15. Um, so it just kind of helps us be able to maintain the tools, but most of them are free to check out. And do you have to be a Missoula resident? Do people bring their, like a letter or something to show they live here or can it be the surrounding areas as well? It can be the surrounding areas as well. We do try to confirm your address somehow, whether it's an ID or, um, a letter, a utility bill, something like that, just so we know kind of where to find you, uh, if we need to, but yeah, it's really kind of surrounding area. Most of the tools you can check out for a week. So, you know, some of the tools are, you have to bring them back the next shift, the next day we're open, like a lawnmower, because they're just in, so high in demand. But generally, yeah, anybody kind of from around the area could come and use the tool library. And where do all those tools come from? Does someone donate them? Yeah, most of them are donated. We occasionally buy tools if we need to replace something that's been broken or just something that's really highly in demand, but most of them are donations. Okay, so for the purposes of the Zootown Affordable Housing <laughs> podcast, um, this site has several shipping containers on it, mm -hmm. and I interviewed a couple of the past uh, executive directors about these shipping containers, and for example, the one that we're sitting in right now, which is your office, has your office space in it, uh, I do remember Ellie Costello telling me that there were some moisture issues, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I know that you guys recently, uh, within the last year, added another section uh, or redid another section of that container mm -hmm. uh, over there for more space for the tool library. So I really yeah. wanted to get caught up on maybe some mitigation for the moisture problems or what you changed or modified in your building methods for the other container and if you've had the same problems. Yeah, yeah, those are all great questions. Shipping containers are a great like, example of reuse, but they also definitely have some tricky things that you have to overcome. I think one of the things that we've found has helped with some of the moisture issues is we've installed a few kind of overhangs to that are kind of mini roofs to help reroute the moisture the way we want to go like over the main tool library door you can see there's like a little bit of an overhang now um, something similar will hopefully get put over this office door because we, there is still some issues with that it's not as bad as it used to be um, in the new one that we just remodeled we had all sorts of climate control issues because half of the shipping container was heated and insulated and being used by people while the back half wasn't insulated. It was really cold um, and there wasn't a lot, there was no heat coming in. So we were having all these kind of climate differences when the door would open between the two, we would get condensation, we would get ice, we were getting all sorts of issues. So that was kind of what spurred the need to remodel that back half. And since we've been able to do that, um, we put in a heater, we insulated it, and now everything's just so much better. We still are having a little bit of issues with water, mostly just because we put in new windows um, and we need to make sure they get fully sealed once it warms up. When it's cold, the, the caulking doesn't, doesn't set quite right. So in April, when we kind of end our really cold cycle, we'll be able to get that sealed up nice and tight. 
Ah, and I remember that when before you guys worked on remodeling that half of the container, that was last spring, and mm -hmm. I was speaking with a gal named Heather Graham, and she mm -hmm. told me that uh, you would be. Uh, that mud would be spraying the the, the foam insulation mm -hmm. into the shipping container at a different time of year, a time where it would like set and attach to the wall better. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if that worked out better this time around. Yeah, we ended up doing it in December is when the insulation happened. And thankfully it was when, before it got really cold and before there was too much snow on the roof because that was part of the issue too. The snow actually acts kind of like an insulator too when it's on the roof so we kind of had to time it right with like freeze and thaw of all of that but yeah the spray foam seems to work really well and so far so good oh that's good to hear yeah <laughs> and what about those windows then you said you put the windows in but they're going to need some new uh, caulking so there mm -hmm. have been some moisture problems around those windows yeah nothing too bad they were able to really kind of Medi like get, mitigate it for now. So it's not leaking in there right now. Um, we did several rounds of putting the caulking on there. So right now it's just kind of messy more than anything. It's working, but it doesn't look as kind of finished up as we'd like it to be. And that's not the only shipping container. I mean, you have one, two, three, four, five, at least shipping mm -hmm. containers that I can see from here. So I'm wondering if that has been a successful experiment. Have they been a... Uh, as per your opinion, a successful um, material to construct, uh, well, these aren't living spaces, but mm -hmm. to construct usable spaces out of? You know, it's been kind of hit and miss. For some of the just kind of cons around them has been they're so narrow that it can be difficult to manage. So when we have large tools, it can be hard to maneuver around them or pull them out in order to get to other things. So that has been a little bit of a challenge. Um, some of the, yeah, some of the moisture issues have been a little bit of a challenge as we've been modifying them and kind of learning as we go, uh, on how to modify them appropriately. But, you know, they are kind of a demonstration of what is possible. And I think that part has been a success. It's been a success in being able to store all our tools and they're safe and secure and we haven't really had any issues with theft or, um, tampering with anything. So that's a success. Um, and I think just the potential to continue growing has is a little limited with the shipping containers. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot else you can do with them once they're there. In some cases, you can build up. In our case, I don't think that's going to be an efficient use of our space. So as we continue to expand our site, we'll probably look at other creative things to demonstrate instead. <laughs> Ooh, any ideas what you might use? Not, not yet. Um, we have a work study student who just work, who just joined us, who's part of the sustainable construction um, program at Missoula College, and so we're really excited to hear her ideas. Ah, and I have an interview with John Freer, who runs that program. Oh, great! Uh, coming up next week, uh, so I'm very interested to hear what they have to say about uh, sustainable building as well. Mm -hmm. um, what about cost? Was using these shipping containers as an alternative building method, was that cost-effective? I think so. Um, when MUD moved to the site and was getting all set up here, it was before my time, but based on what I found in the files and things like that, I, I don't think this move would have been possible otherwise. I don't think MUD could have afforded to build something. And so to be able to come to an empty lot and really start having the tool library here and have its home base be here, I think the shipping containers were 
the only way it would have been would have worked for us so in that way they have also been a big success like we were able to get up and running really quickly without having a huge campaign to construct something else I wonder if that's partly to do with the fact that you weren't trying to make living spaces out of the containers, so maybe mm -hmm. there was a little less modification to be made, because I've definitely heard folks who have worked on shipping containers tell me that it's not a cost-effective option, and I'm trying to figure out where that line gets drawn. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. I, I can imagine it being pretty pricey if you're going full-on living space. I, I have the feeling that my office, the one we're in right now, was already modified before it was placed here. I think maybe it was an office at like a construction site or something like that because Mud didn't update this one. I saw the pictures of it getting lowered by the crane and it already had the window and door and everything. So that one might have been modified before. Um, the one that we just modified, so we did the back half of the shipping container um, and we were able to get a grant for that and it was a $5,000 grant. And some of that went to things like office furniture and paint and that sort of thing. But we were able to do that for, you know, a little less than $5,000. What about the issue of toxicity? I've definitely had some folks say that they would never go near a shipping container because of all of the uh, paints or non-corrosive um, chemicals that they use to keep the metal from, to protect it from the uh, yeah. elements, say. Yeah, that's also interesting. It's something that in the last year we've been thinking about and we would really like to have an environmental inspector come in and just kind of test and see if there's any concerns in our shipping containers. We had been working with one group but just hadn't, haven't been able to set a time to come in and have those tests done because we've been kind of curious about the same thing. Like, is there residual stuff in the air from what chemicals and paint and things they had to use? It's another kind of interesting thing we've learned because we do have a bunch of lawnmowers in one of the shipping containers. And this year we'll also be putting in a vent for that one because mm -hmm. it's just, it's gotten to the point where there's too many fumes. It's not, I don't think it's a super hazard, but it's not a great environment for people to be going in and out of. So we're going to set up a vent this spring to get that a little bit better. I've also wondered about water, rainwater washing off of the, the container, and then if that then is polluted when it hits the ground, if it runs over all of this paint. Some people also uh, insulate the outside of the shipping containers. Oh, interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do know there's a lot of measures that people take to protect the outside of the shipping container from the elements because as much wrap as they get for being indestructible they're actually not so indestructible the yeah. sun and wind and rain and snow can definitely weather and wear away at the outside mm -hmm. and um, also I wondered about the windows that you put in because I've been told that containers you know I, you might think that you can just stack them on top of each other and blah blah mm -hmm. blah but if you're gonna do that they and especially if they the structure has been compromised with things like windows and doors then they need to be extensively reinforced yeah. And so I wondered if you had to do any reinforcing around those windows. We didn't do any reinforcing around those since we're not planning on building up at all. Um, and I, it didn't seem like they were large enough to require any big changes in that way. Um, but the, yeah, it is interesting. We I know all of these containers have, were painted when they were removed to our site also because I saw those original pictures and they were all red and now they're all white. So we did some kind of exterior paint on them. And it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. And now, especially that we've been here about seven or eight years about 
what are they impacting our soil are they not i i don't know Mm, that'll be something something for us to catch up on at a Mm -hmm. later point in time after you have the analysis yeah exactly (laughs) done well what about uh, mud in the next coming years how I've heard that there were some changes happening and maybe mud's focus might be changing a little bit and I wondered if that was correct and what you foresee happening with mud now that you're the executive director yeah we're not no huge changes right now we're really kind of focusing in on the tool library getting things organized we just did a big um, kind of spring cleaning where we went through and we were closed for about a month we were only open on Saturdays and we just went through and really went through our inventory fixed things up got rid of stuff that wasn't being used and had a little tool sale in February that went really well so some of those changes have been happening mostly just um, like I said we've been here about seven or eight years now and I feel like just like any garage, everything kind of starts building up and you start kind of losing some of your organization and idea of what's been going on. So we just needed to take that time to really reorganize and get ready for a busy summer. So for now, we're just busy focusing on the tool library, focusing on our workshops, bringing the bees onto the site. Um, And hopefully in the near future, like I said, expanding a little bit within our site to have more more space for community members to come and gather and work on projects here on the site. So we'll see. Hopefully that can be happening in the next couple of years as we approach 40 years as an organization. Ah, I see. So you said you have a student coming from the Sustainable Building Program Mm -hmm. uh, at the Missoula College. Mm -hmm. And um, they will help you guys perhaps determine what, if any, other materials might be good for sounds like building a space where community members who want to come to workshops or be more involved with mud can then come and take part in those things yeah yep that's the goal because right now we've with the shipping containers as again those kinds of pros and cons we've reached our capacity with what we can do with them we don't really have a good education space to use um, minus our outside area but in the winter it really limits what we can do so yeah having an enclosed education space would be really great and hopefully yeah hear some of her ideas of what she's been learning and talk with some other folks in the community about sustainable building techniques um and see what we can incorporate into our new new area and when it comes time then to build something if you decide to do that where does your funding come from for that we'll be applying for grants and then also uh, reaching out to community individual donors to support us and see what we can come up with ah and would you like to go in depth any more uh, on any of the workshops that MUD will be offering in the coming months? You said beekeeping, which sounds fascinating. Yeah. Um, and either that or some of the other ones that you mentioned. Yeah, definitely. So our beekeeping series is really, really fun. We've had a couple already where it's kind of from the very beginning of if you're even thinking about keeping bees, some of the basic information you need. The one that will be coming up at the end of this month will be... Um, building the hive so we'll be looking at building a couple different types of hives for bees and whether you purchase kind of a pre-made kit and then construct it or else you can go and get your materials from somewhere like home resource and then build it using that so we'll be looking at those different techniques and then at our earth day celebration we'll be installing the bees into their hives they'll arrive and um our tool librarians will get them all safely put in their new home 
And then after that, we're going to do a gardening and bee country with the National Wildlife Federation. So we'll be talking about pollinator gardens and native plants. And while we don't have to worry about bears here in town, if you're living somewhere like Patty or up in the Rattlesnake and installing bees, you'd want to make sure you have the appropriate fencing for keeping bears out. So they'll talk a little bit about that. So that will be a really fun one. That one will have some hands-on components of planting some new native plants around our site to help um, our new pollinator friends. So that's the beekeeping series. We also have a vermicomposting workshop in April with Soil Cycle. And that one vermicomposting? Vermicomposting. So worm composting. So we'll be constructing actual worm composting kits. So people have the option of either constructing one and paying a little extra for all those materials, or they can come and just learn about um, composting with worms and do that just that section if they like. We'll be doing a lawnmower maintenance workshop this spring, um, and that one's kind of a dual benefit where people can come in and learn about some of the basics of lawnmower maintenance, and they'll also get to work on our lawnmowers to get them all ready for the season. So that's gonna be really great. And then, yeah, and then towards the end of spring, beginning of summer, we'll do our women-led carpentry workshop, which is one of our most popular workshops every year. Um, Heather, our previous tool librarian, will come and instruct people on the very basics of how to use tools, how to work on a project. And then it's a three-part series. So during parts two and three, people get to come back and actually construct whatever project they have in mind. So that's kind of our spring series. We're really excited. Um, and then our other big spring event, of course, is our Earth Day celebration. End of April, fingers crossed that things work out that we can still hold that event at the end of April. Um, but it'll be our 14th annual Earth Day celebration. It's a big festival where we have food trucks and music and local businesses and nonprofits all tabling to share information about their work in sustainability. Um, Flanagan Motors is going to join us with some electric cars that people can test drive, like no pressure. You don't need to be like in the market to buy a car, but if you've just been curious about what they are like to drive or what they really feel like to be on the road, you can come and test drive one of those. And then we will also be having a... Um, an e-waste for computer towers pickup. So if you have an old computer tower that's just taking up room in your closet or your garage that you haven't figured out what to do with, you can bring it, drop it off, and Oreos Refining will recycle it. So a lot of different things happening at Earth Day. It's going to be an exciting event. Fingers crossed. Everything works out. <laughs> Fingers crossed that that happens. Yeah, right? Um, well, what about folks uh, who come to use the tools? Do you ever have anyone come in who says, I'm building my own house and I don't have a lot of money or tools, so can I borrow these tools here to do that? Yeah, I mean, one of our, it's really interesting, our inventory system, you can go through and see who uses the tools the most, which tools get used the most and everything. And you can definitely tell we have a couple who just recently remodeled their entire home and you can just see the like thousands of checkouts they've had like literally of just renewing and checking out and all the different things they've used over the last year to totally remodel their house and they're just about finished um, and they did it all with mud tools and so that's really cool. One of our other um, users who's kind of comes up at the top of the list is Big Sky Breakout. They use mud tools to build all of their escape rooms. So wow. that's really cool too. I mean, it saves people a lot of money if they don't have to buy all these tools to do their remodel mm -hmm. uh, that they might not really need anymore after they're finished. Totally. That's And that's a big part of it. We're trying to cut the cost for people, cut the waste, because we don't need to be 
constantly buying new things and then storing them in our garages for who knows how long, using them every few years. Um, and we're just kind of sharing that out amongst everybody rather than everybody having their own drill, just come borrow ours. <laughs> and do you notice um, the demographics of people who come and rent tools? Are there equal numbers of women and men or is there mm. a big difference in... That's a good question. I haven't noticed a big difference when times when I've been in the tool library, it really seems pretty equal, but I guess I don't know for sure. That's an interesting idea. I know our workshops can vary a lot, but we have a lot of women that attend our workshops for sure. I remember in one of my previous interviews, uh, Heather talked about a, uh, a, a workshop for women to come and learn how to use mm -hmm. tools. I think they had a project that they would, would be working mm -hmm. on. Do you have any uh, workshops like that coming up? Yeah, so the women-led carpentry is kind of that goal. So Heather leads it, and it's it. we don't exclude anybody. Anybody's welcome to come. But the idea is to kind of give that opportunity to people who normally haven't had a chance to learn about tools, whether they're women or kind of non-binary or maybe they're from other socioeconomic levels or they just haven't ever felt like they could use those skills before to really just make it a welcome and opening welcoming and open place for them to come and join us so yeah yeah the spring we'll do that again it's so empowering to feel as a female like you can work on your own projects and mm -hmm. do the things that you need to do without having to ask for someone else's help <laughs> yeah totally and it's interesting <clears throat> this last time we did one in last fall also and several of the women who attended said, oh, yeah, my, my husband has all these tools, but he won't teach me how to use them. <laughs> like, that's so disappointing. We should all be able to use the tools that we have or access to. So <laughs> so then they have to covertly learn how to use the yes, tools or something like that. Yeah, they have to come like here, that. and then now they can go back and steal all their husband's tools, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> come take the workshop at MUD so you can steal your husband's tools. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what about, I feel like we've kind of been addressing the affordable housing question just by talking about how to make the actual construction or uh, creation of a space m more cost-effective by saving costs, by not having to buy things mm -hmm. like tools, uh, and by gaining skills also probably at a more affordable uh, price than you might for some more formal training. I'm not sure where yeah. else people would get trained to do stuff like that. Yeah, then that's and that's something we've been talking a lot about as an organization of like the reason that we kind of keep working is because people don't have access to that unless they're going to go back to Missoula College and try to learn some of those classes and that's pretty cost prohibitive for most people and time prohibitive. Um, but they can also come here and we're trying to really ramp up some of our informal education. So maybe we don't have a workshop, but maybe we have more, um, information around the site about here's all the saws we have. This is when you would use this type of saw for this type of project and it would make this type of cut. And then people who maybe know what they need to do, but don't know how to do it yet can come and learn that way. They can talk to our tool librarians and get some of that information. They're always welcome to come and like bounce ideas off of us and say like, you know, I'm trying to work on this project, but I don't know exactly where to get started. And we're always happy to kind of help brainstorm in that way too. So trying to continue to be that place to come when maybe that's not your background, maybe that's not exactly how you were trained, but you can, I think anybody can take on DIY projects and learn something new, so. Right, you might have to make a few mistakes, but you learn from those too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've all heard the like, 
measure twice, cut once, but sometimes that doesn't even work. <laughs> well, I wonder about, um, you said that you had this gal coming from a sustainable um, building program, mm -hmm. and what are the MUD specifications for sustainable? Because sustainable can be used pretty loosely across uh, various entities, and I just wondered what it means here at MUD to be sustainable. That is such a good question. And I think it's something we're kind of constantly evaluating and evolving with because it can mean so many different things. For us and for a lot of organizations, it, it, there's multiple parts of sustainability. There's the environmental component so that we're not creating more waste, we're not harming the environment, we're not um, using more resources than necessary. So there's an environmental component, there's an economic component so that people can afford to access these things so they can be part of it. Um, without being limited by what they can afford, and that's a huge part of the tool library, being able to borrow things rather than buy them. And then there's just kind of that community part of it, like what are we doing as a community to build up sustainability between each other? Because it's so interesting to think about this do-it-yourself, but we kind of think of it as do-it-yourself together. So you all have these skills, but we're all still building together to create something really great. So I think those are kind of the components of sustainability that we try to incorporate um, thinking about our environment, thinking about the economics of the people who access the tool resource, the tool library, um, and just making sure that we're a really strong community center for everybody who needs access. What about um, the power, for example, here? Is it, are you guys connected to the grid, or do you use solar, or how does, how does all that work for the actual site? Yeah, we have solar panels up on our roof. Um, right now it's pretty cloudy, so we're probably drawing from the grid right now we're still connected but in the summer we produce more than we use um hopefully we'll be doing some net metering here starting in the spring where we'll be putting power actually back into the grid so that'll nice. be great yeah um and then uh mud is right next to home resource and for those who don't know home resource is a really great place to come to get reused, repurposed building materials, and it's full of a huge variety of stuff. And I wondered uh, what kind of partnership might exist between MUD and Home Resource, if you might speak to that for a moment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you almost can't talk about one without talking about the other. We are so close. We're neighbors. Um, we're kind of this little tool library island within Home Resources property now, which is really fun. Um, and we're working really to make this be kind of a little sustainability hub for the community. So that's our goal uh, as we both grow and expand and evolve. Um, but we work really closely. A lot of times when they get tool donations, they check in with us before they even sell them in their store. They say, oh, you know, this seems like a great tool. Do you want to add it to the library? It's really great. Um, and then when we have things that we no longer need, we take them over there. When we remodeled the shipping container, they donated supplies because um, we had to do some framing before the insulation could go in. We added the windows, we added the door, all of that stuff came from Home Resource. So really great to be able to work with them. And then moving forward, we're hoping to uh, join forces a little bit more on some workshops and different things. We've done a few this last holiday season, right around Thanksgiving, we did a beeswax wraps workshop where you make um, these reusable cloth wraps that are intended to replace cling wrap, basically. So you can use them to wrap up sandwiches or cheese or cover a bowl or do things like that. And so we led the actual workshop part of making the wraps, but then Home Resource came and talked about their zero waste programming and all the things they've been working on. Um, 
and kind of the really important work that they're doing to push the city's zero by 50 program forward. And so that was a great opportunity for us to combine forces and lead a workshop. So we're hoping to do more of those. Um, but other than that, it's just, yeah, I mean, people go to Home Resource and get their supplies and they come over here and get their tools. It's perfect. A perfect <laughs> partnership, right? Yeah. Well, what about from your point of view? Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Maybe the, the biggest challenges right now that MUD faces or things that you personally feel are most important to focus on in the next year, couple years or so? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, like most nonprofits, our biggest challenge is always just kind of that consistent funding piece. Mm. So when people come and be and our members, that really helps support our tool library, and it helps us be able to have really awesome staff that can help people with all their projects and help people find the right tools for what they need. Um, and, you know, in the next few years, we'd really like to expand our hours to be open more often. We're only open Friday through Monday right now. We'd love to be open more throughout the week, but we have to be able to pay our tool librarians and um, have them be here. So hopefully in the future, we'll find some more funding to be able to do that. Uh, and like I mentioned, doing some site expansion, having a little more space for gathering and bringing people together to work on things here at our site and work on p workshops and all of that. that. We're really looking forward to seeing how that goes. And if people want to get involved, if they want to find out more information, where, where do they go? Yeah, they can go to our website, mudproject.org. Uh, that has a lot of information about our different programs and wh what workshops are happening and all our events. We also are on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us, Mud Project, Mud Tool Library. Usually if you search something like that, you'll find us. Um, that's where we do a lot of our kind of workshop advertising as well as our new Cool Tool Tuesday posts where you can learn about some different tools that we have available in case you didn't know that we have a solar oven and a soy milk maker and all these different things that maybe people don't even realize you could borrow from us. Oh, and that's fascinating, a soy milk maker. Yeah, it's very random, but we have one. <laughs> Someone donates it, right? Why turn it away? Yeah, why not? People can use it. <laughs> I have a cheese press. I should probably donate that. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> never could never cross my mind. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> right? Uh, I've never used it. It's brand new. Uh, so... Is there anything else that I have not covered or asked you about that you would like to uh, add to this conversation? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it's been really great to just kind of chat about MUD. We're really excited about um, kind of all the changes we've made since we've moved to the site over next to Home Resource. We're more centrally located. Our membership has grown from 100 members to over 500 members. Like a lot of really exciting things are happening. Um, we're really looking forward to continuing to grow, continuing to get people involved with the tool library. Um, yeah, so just stop by and chat with us anytime. Um, yeah, we'll have our garden up and going before we know it, and it will be a really fun place to just kind of hang out and spend some time. Nice. Well, I love checking in with Mud and seeing what's going on because there's always something new and cool happening. Yeah. So, uh, and we'll cross our fingers for the Earth Day event. Yeah, thank you. Or at the end of April. Hoping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> end of April. Hopefully all of this will clear up. <laughs> You were just listening to an interview with Casey Valencia, 
Executive Director of MUD, the Missoula Urban Demonstration Project. If you enjoy ZAP and find yourself more informed than before, please share. It is available free on all major platforms. If you or anyone you know would like to contribute an interview, if you want more information about each episode, or to find out how to support ZAP, please visit anchor.fm. Special thanks to Chris Moyles with Starlight Reunion Studios for your invaluable time and help with production of this podcast, and also to Missoula Community Radio for your ongoing mentorship and open learning platform. Joining the Zoo Town Affordable Housing Podcast. Affordable is stable. Afford means that you're able to make your wages last through debt, rent, or expenses, while even retaining some senses. Stability with the ability to do things differently with dignity. Attainable, retainable, and strainable. Oh, hello, information, help relieve this situation and zap. So many alternatives, so many voices, filled with ideas on how to live, start making choices that improve the collective and zap. Incentivize creation and zap from all collaboration.